This podcast contains explicit language. Hey, it's Mike from 424recording.com, and I just want to say, if you're a fan of the podcast or channel, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 424recording. Hello, and welcome to 424 Recording, a podcast featuring interviews with musicians, artists, YouTubers, and other creatives about the creative process. We're also talking all things music, especially in the punk, grunge, bedroom, and indie rock genres. Hey, it's Mike from 424 Recording. My guest this week is James Dunn of Bean Trees and I See Demons in the Woodgrain. Uh, he's a lo-fi acoustic rock indie musician, and we had a lot of fun talking four tracks, creative inspiration. Uh, what it's like to be the older dudes in the in the music scene, and uh, where we're gonna go from here. So, check out this chat I had with uh, James Dunn. I remember you kind of said that you weren't sure how the quality of it was, but I, th- I think it sounds great for uh, you know a complete four track recording. Yeah, I appreciate it. I tried to keep it really simple so that I didn't complicate my complicate it too much for myself yeah pretty much used one mic and just rode with the same format or formula every time so just just to keep it simple to be able to get something down and kind of learn the machine and uh watching your tutorials help a lot as well thanks Uh, dude yeah so i mean that kind of helped me out a lot because it's really intimidating when you first start so much to to learn that's why I started doing the vids on it because I remember. Well, I just I remember I just like didn't see any online about it, and I remember that's that was always the thing when we started recording when I was younger with my friends. Like, it, you know, you, there wasn't really YouTube back then, and you had this manual that's like kind of it's not that's not that it's written poorly, but it's just very comp. It seems very complicated the way that it's laid out. I guess technical writing is always a barrier to entry, right? But so yeah, that, that was kind of that's awesome because that's like exactly why I wanted to put out some videos about it so this has come come full circle here <laughs> yeah it helped a lot i mean um i I, st- I i had recorded on four tracks before okay um but it was always with someone that knew what they were doing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it didn't require me to i didn't i wasn't really pushing buttons or anything like that i was just there recording right right uh, so it was different to be behind the wheel yeah and yeah it, it helped because being able to, I'm, I'm more of a visual learner with like YouTube helps me a lot. Yeah. Um, sitting down with a manual of any sort, whether it's written really simply or complicated, I'm just not, I don't grasp things as well that easily. So watching a, a tutorial on it helps because I feel like I'm in the room with somebody. Hell yeah. And I can kind of, you know, go, go with the flow, watch it while I'm messing around with the machine. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's, too. Like some people, I was, I've just come up a couple of times. It's some people are just auditory learners. Some people are like visual learners. Some people can learn by, you know, reading stuff. And I think me too, like more of like a visual learner. And that's why I think it's important to have, well, that's why I think YouTube is just sick in general. Like you can do so many, I, like I've done like so many repairs around my house and other types of, uh, you know, I don't know, repairs and things of that nature, just because I can see it's so much easier today than it was. I feel like before the advent of like the internet, you know, when now you have like video, like it used everything just used to be manuals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I am where I am when I'm here, you know, the the time and place that we live, uh, mixed with being a creative person, um, everything's accessible. Uh, everyone's sharing information and it's not sort of, 
I feel like recording music used to sort of be like a secret craft almost. Yeah. A lot of the, the secrets were kept among, amongst the people that knew how to do it and passed down to the next person that maybe trained under them. Sure. So now that it's all online, it, it kind of opens up the doors for people that don't have the money or time to go to a studio to be able to do it at home and do it pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like, I feel like, because there was always the barrier to entry with, you know, just the cost of like going to studios, you know, I guess in like oh the 50s, yeah. 60s, you know, it was like, you know, people were lucky if they were able to get access to that. And then, like you said, but then, then there was like almost like gatekeepers because that knowledge was behind this paywall essentially. And you had to kind of be in the in crowd or have money or, you know, grow up in a studio or have somebody who owned it and have access to it. Otherwise, it was technology that, you know, that only a select few people had access to. So those people got really good at it and pushed it forward. But the rest of everybody until the advent of like home recording and things like that, you know, you used to have to pay like money to go to studio or if you were like in the in the eighties or something, or even before that it was, you had to be really good and either pay somebody to do it or have somebody pay for you to be there. It was, it's crazy. Like really, really, really live in a really cool time. I think, especially as for being like an artist and like a creative person, it's like, you, yeah, the sky's the limit. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's the things you can do at home. Now, even with garage band, I mean, for, a, you know, about a thousand dollars, sometimes less, you can have a setup at home that is pretty darn good. Especially if you, if you can afford to, at the end of it, get it mastered. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that can take your recording to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I, when I got into music, I, we were young and we, Started, that was the way we did it was recording at home to get our demos and things like that and um there was also a kid in our town that had a, a studio in his basement wow and he recorded most of um the younger incarnations of my friends and i's bands uh in his basement for for very little amount of money <laughs> <laughs> uh and or exchange of you know goods or whatever whatever you had he would sort of just find a way to record you Nice. Um, so I was lucky in that sense too. I've I've always been around other musicians, but it just it, you know starting I guess maybe in like the late eighties and early nineties it just it became really easy to do it at home if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of like because um, I guess what do you, do you think? I don't I haven't really thought about that. But do, is the four track like the first incarnation of that? You think? Um, I mean, I know that they had the they had those little reel to reel machines. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That's right. But yeah, I think that the four track cassette recorder was probably the first incarnation of something like that. That was really easy to travel with. If you wanted, like if you wanted to record somebody at their house where they were comfortable, you could take it there and set it up pretty yeah. easily. Um, it wasn't heavy or inconvenient. Yeah. Right. It's all, it's all like one self-contained unit. Because I remember reading like some of the um, like ad copy or something from that time period when they when they came out, and I think it's it's kind of pitched as that. You know, that's obviously the name Porta Studio. Like you said, it's like a portable studio. You can literally bring it wherever you need to bring it, which is obviously kind of a joke now because you can, if you have your phone, you basically have a portable studio now. You know, obviously things get smaller, but yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't because like I remember just when we started using it, it was kind of like like right. I think it was like there was like PC recording, obviously, and like sound cards, but that stuff was like way over our heads. But 
eventually it became like an amalgamation of, okay, we'll record on the four track and then we can bounce to the computer, try to mix it. Or if we run out of tracks, we can add stuff. So it's a really exciting time, like just figuring out a lot of different things about recording and the different ways of recording. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I think it's a really cool thing to have learned to do and learn on. And um, that's what I was going to ask you about. Like, what, so, how, so it sounds like your experience from GarageBand to the four track was pretty seamless. Like, did you... What, what what made you decide to want to do something? Because it sounds like you had GarageBand pretty pretty down well. Um, I well I've I've been making music and recording music for a long time, and I've done it in all different formats. Okay. Um, I you know all the way from a little single track portable tape recorder to recording at um, big professional studios to recording in basements or just whatever. Um, came our way at the time but i think it's just it's something about i was burnt out on the computer um i was overthinking every song that i made yeah uh, an endless amount of tracks which there technically there's an endless, endless amount of tracks with the four track recorder as well yeah but endless in the sense of you know it's so easy to just put another track and record something else and double and triple thing yeah. it just it got boring I guess. Yeah, because I feel like there's, and I, I feel like there's like a correlation between you know, writing something out and and really thinking about the parts and having a limited limitation, and then now in today's world, people growing up with a computer where you have an infinite amount of parts to like, you know, add, add, add. Like I don't know that that's always something like I always try to say on the channel too. You know, I probably you know is just. I don't know. Keeping it simple. There's something to be said about limitations and keeping it simple. You know, that's the big draw for me always was, it was, it's just, I don't know, just something about the setup. And, and I think it's like from Ween, they had like a quote where it was like, yeah, if you only use four tracks, those better be some really good tracks, you know? And I think yeah, that's just exactly. very true to the, yeah. Cause it's like, otherwise, like you said, you haven't, I mean, you technically have an unlimited, but with a computer, it's literally, you know, you can have, I think as many as you want. I, I mean, there's probably some limitation, but I mean, I've heard of bands that are working on songs for over the course of five years and they have, you know, 200 tracks on like a one song. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, I, I couldn't even understand how you would go about A, mixing that, B, why you would want to work on some, <laughs> the same thing for five years. And then C, like, that's just, I don't know. Like, how, how could, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't get that, that workflow. It never made sense to me. Putting that out to people is almost deceptive. Um, <laughs> if you if you have 20 guitar tracks <laughs> someone comes and sees you live it's going to sound so empty yeah um i've always been the type of person that if i put something out and then you come and see me live that's what you're getting and and that's always been really important to me from day one yeah, since same i was here. young you know that little bit of wisdom got passed down to me um and i've just never really let go of that yeah so it's it's just always important for me that my music sounds like who I am. And if you ever come and see me live, that's, that's what you're getting. Yeah. I feel like uh, that was always a big thing with band, like two thousands bands and bands of that era, like growing up and listening to stuff and even local bands. And, and you know, the, I, feel, I remember, I just feel like one of the biggest complaints was exactly what you just said is you get a record or a CD and you listen to it and you love it and then you go see the band live and it sounds either a nothing like that 
or B, just like not full at all, or they, there's just too many parts going on, or the songs need to have, you know, backing tracks, or like, I don't know. I remember that being the biggest thing was like, well, this CD's awesome, but what is the, what do they actually sound like live? Yeah. And that, to me, you know, that's, that's the key part there. So what do you, what do you sound like live? What do you, and, and you've probably, I think you've said it on some of your videos too. Is the, with the four track, it kind of puts you in the position where if you can get one or two of the tracks of you playing and singing at the same time, it saves you so many headaches down the road. It saves your room. It's, oh, you know, yeah. so yeah. being able to play your song before you record it, it, it puts you in a position where you know that song inside and out before you record it. And yeah. it sounds like you do. Right. And I, digitally, you can just throw something down and then just start layering on it. And a couple hours later, you have something that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And it's, it's like you said, it's, it's all about uh deception really. And uh, that's what I always say too. It's like, it's either, you can either take advantage of the computer or use the computer to your advantage. And I think there's certain situations, like for me, I found, especially with writing songs, like I don't know, a lot of the stuff I write is like a pop rock structure and some of the chords are repetitive and it's, you know, four chord structures or whatever for verses, et cetera. And like what I found, one thing I do like the computer for over something like the four track, just because of the wear and tear is like, if you have a riff and you know that that's going to be the verse, like I just immediately will just throw that in logic now and loop it. And then, you know, rather than just sitting there, because I used to play, I used to waste so much time playing the same riff for like, hours i don't know why i used to do it i guess just trying to figure out new parts and things like that but that's one thing like i don't mind taking advantage of the computer for you know or using the computer to my advantage it's like i don't know because i think you can either i think there's i I, that seems to be a a common theme too with people i've been talking to about four tracks and and computer recording is like you know a combination of the two is usually a pretty solid place to land i think yeah that's kind of where i am now and um, I enjoy both of them for what they yeah. have to offer. Me too. Like, I, I, I like being able to record on the on the four track and then put it into GarageBand and and kind of add some stuff to it, or um, it could, you know, essentially kind of mastering it yeah. in GarageBand. Yeah, I think that I feel like that's always that's a good trick. It's like or a good combination of of the two because. There's definitely a sound to the, to the to cassette, you know. I mean, it's not it's not actual tape, you know, or or well, it's, it is tape, but it's not, you know, the distinction between the tape sound, quote unquote, and the cassette sound. Like, you know, cassette will never sound like two inch tape, but it definitely has a sound that is not a computer and is not, you know, it's somewhere in the middle or it's its own thing. And I think that sound too is always something that if I can get that onto my you know, computer, you know, I feel like that's that vibe there's just something about the vibe of it that's always been i don't know like the limitations of it contained on that little cassette the fact that it exists in some physical format and a physical format that's finite um you know because there's only so much room on the tape or whatever it just i don't know there's something about that and i just feel like all even recordings where where it's clear that it's a four track like it just has an unmistakable vibe and i feel like i've noticed people that you know that aren't even really as much into music as you know we are or don't really know much as much about recording you know like my wife or somebody will we'll just like 
hear two different songs and one will be on a computer and one won't be in. She'll just, for whatever reason, just inherently be drawn to the one that's on cassette. And it's without knowing, you know, the difference like, Oh, that, that, that's, that has, that has something different to it or that has a certain vibe to it. Or that's just, I like that one better. Like, I don't know. That's always been like a real, a real, uh, benefit. I think of, of using the four track and, and that's why I enjoy it too. I think it has a, it's a familiar sound to somebody, whether their, their ear is trained to hear it or not. Yeah. Why do you, um, why do you think that is? The people of generation, it, it's just familiar. It sounds familiar and uh, it's almost a nostalgia or like a nostalgic feeling that's drawing them to it, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Yeah. And it, to me, it, it sounds like a, it gives some, like, you're seeking a certain sound. Um, it, it makes it, e- well, it makes it easier for me to achieve the sound that I've always been drawn to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that you can't achieve with a computer. And it's, you know, there is a little bit of a, um, sort of like a trend right now to record this way, but I think it's a good thing because it's, it's calling a lot of the younger bands to actually learn how to record. Mm-hmm. If you if you start doing it on a computer, you really aren't learning how to record. Um, so I, I think I think it's just overall a really good thing that it's coming back. Kind of makes me excited, and I, I hear a lot of the younger bands are recording this way, um, and I think it's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I I feel like there's constantly people. You know, I'm not too tapped into I guess what's been going on with music scenes and things, but um, I have noticed that. I mean. That's kind of like a reason I, I kind of started making the videos too. I noticed that there was a lot of people kind of going back to four tracks. And I was like, I was like, you know, I had my four tracks sitting in my closet and I was like, yeah, this thing's fucking sick. Like, you know, and always was always, always demoed stuff on there. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let me like put up some information about this because like I said, the one thing I always missed about it was like a really clear, uh, <laughs> understanding of how to use it so that's cool I, that's really cool that it's coming back around i definitely i get a lot of emails from people that are like either just getting into it or bands that record on it like exclusively and it's it is i agree it's it's super exciting and it, it's i think it's really cool i feel like i feel like a lot of a lot of it is is just comes down to i don't know like songwriting and like he said, like really learning, because like with the four track, you really learn how to use like a mixer. You know, that's really the big aspect of it. And like, yeah. you know, there's a mixer in Logic, there's a mixer in GarageBand, but having like the tactile response of the knobs and the switches and the sliders, and you know, and then I also think you know the limitations of punching in and then having to really nail your takes. Like I feel like the combination of all those things with the sound of it. I don't know. It's just it really teaches you because that's the thing too. Like I've noticed, especially for me is, um, you can't really, you have to, you have to kind of whatever, whatever your sound is. I think, I think this is what it boils down to too, is like your sound has to be the best it can be before you even start recording. Cause that's really unlike the four track. Like you can't really do, I mean, you can hook up effects and, you know, do crazy busing, but I've always been way too lazy to either a do those things, B hook that stuff up. Or C, like, wanna. <laughs> so it's always like, well, I'm just going to run and gun. And 
But that forces you, you know, at the recording stage to really be like, okay, this is how I want the vocal to sound, or this is the distance I have to be, you know, um, this is the effect I'm going to try to put on it through like a pedal or something, you know, this is how the, how I want the guitar. And, and that's why I started doing the guitar and vocals together too, is because I noticed this something with digital recording. I think we were kind of talking about this before, but my buddy Sean pointed it out because he, you know, he doesn't really do much recording. He did like garage band stuff, but usually I record with him, record for him. And his big thing was always when he went to record the vocals, it felt like really unnatural because he always, you know, and I think it feels unnatural for most people because whenever you're in a band and then you're the singer or you're playing bass and singing, playing drums and singing even, but obviously playing guitar and singing, like you get used to playing guitar and singing at the same time. And then it becomes this really foreign task to, okay, you're going to record the guitar first and then we're going to go back and do the vocals. Like, I feel like the distinction of, well, if you're, if you're used to playing guitar and singing vocals at the same time, which I think most people who write songs on an acoustic guitar or electric guitar are, like that's the way you should try to record, I think, because for me personally, I've noticed along the lines of everything I was just saying is like, I don't know, I think it just comes out so much better when you're doing it the way that you've done it. Because like most, I mean, everybody practices like, you know, with a guitar and, and singing, right? It's like that, like, why would you change that that method? And I don't know, I feel like that's something goes along lines of like making it the best it can sound at the recording stage because I've seen so many people fall down this this pitfall of like and I used to do it too of like recording the guitars and then coming back and throwing a vocal over it but the vocal never sounds right or never fits right because it's just like this really strange I don't know process of now this one thing that you've been doing this way for the whole time you've been a musician now you're separating the two jobs and I don't know. I don't know. For me personally, I find that to be very jarring. Yeah, me too. I, it It's always felt more natural. Hold on. It's always felt um, more natural to me to record them together. Um, but mo- a lot of the projects I've been in, we've done them separately. And that's something that I've vote- when I started doing bean trees, that was what I got back to was doing it simultaneously. Even if it required to sit down for an extra day and just practice the song over to get it down better. Yeah. Um, and the four track is, has really helped me become a better musician. Yeah. I think for me too, it's, it's, it's like unreal, much better like songwriting. Um, and, and also just like, just really good at, at playing because I, I have to practice a lot more, you know, and um, like going back to the ween thing, you know, it's like you got four tracks if you're not going to bounce. So they better be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You think about them more and like contemplate the recording more. I, I, I get more excited about it now too. It feels, it feels like it feels uh, more real I guess, yeah. for a lack of a better term. It feels like I'm actually doing something mm-hmm. um, where when I was recording digitally, I could record something and then just go and put it up as soon as I was done. Now it feels, it kind of is made me feel like I'm working on an album or working on an EP or um, it just, it, it feels, um, it gives me a more, at, I feel like I'm in a studio, but at home. 
Right. And uh, actually working on something substantial. Yeah. But then, it might not actually turn out to be. It makes <laughs> you feel that way. Yeah. What do you what do you think it is that what, why do you think it's a difference? Is it just like the tactile nature of of the four yeah, track? Definitely. I think getting your hands on it, actually turning knobs, not staring at a screen the entire time or staring at a little bank of effects that you can throw on anything at any time. Yeah. Um, you know, it it it's a real thing. It's in front of you, it's it's not on a computer screen. It's um and I, th- I think the tape itself, it just at the sound of the machine running, um, unplugging mics and plugging them back in on different tracks, um, all of it, it, j- it kind of puts you in a meditative state when you're recording. For me. Yeah, it's like more immersive. What's that? It's more immersive, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're in it. You're... In the, you, like, you almost create your own little world while you're recording for those couple hours. And that, that's what music has always been to me and always will be. It's a release uh, and it's therapeutic. And to be able to leave the crazy, hectic world for a couple hours and just um, put something down on paper about how you're feeling, be able to record it. And then at the end of it, you feel a lot better. Yeah. So, and I think and, that's. And like I, sounds of the tape running and all that 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 is just as important as all of it to me is it's really meditative yeah i think that's that's super important is like like the process of it is really what it's all about you know because it's so easy to to like get wrapped up into the end product and what it's going to be or what it could be but like the almost the 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 crazy thing is the like i think along lines of exactly what you're saying is like the most enjoyable part is isn't it is the creation aspect of it and i feel like that's also a big thing with the four track it's like it feels like you're physically creating something whereas with this with the computer it feels a little bit more detached if that makes sense yeah exactly <laughs> yep yeah. and it's always been that way for me you know from from the start i I got away from it for a long time, I think, because it was just easier or because I was involved with people that um, wanted a modern or real professional and polished sound. So going and recording with a certain producer at a certain studio to get that certain sound that another band had mm-hmm. was the desire. Yeah. Not my desire, but desire of some people that I had played with for a while. And to me, it was always superficial. Mm-hmm. Um is more important to strip everything down and find your own sound. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's a, that's another pitfall. Like I've found, I've come across in, in bands and even my own mentality sometimes is like, yeah, it's cool if you want to sound like built to spill or something, but if your band sounds nothing like built to spill, like you're not going to sound like the, the production no matter what, you know, like, yeah. and that's, I think that's something that's really funny is that a lot of times people, I feel like that's where a lot of times like like arguments or um expectations in the studio are strained because that's like a I feel like that's such a basic thing and something I never really understood either, you know, and, and I feel like I've finally kind of come around to it. And I think it's it's super important to develop your own sound and I think like doing that is a very long process that takes a long amount of time and I think it's always something that's evolving. But I think that's that's a really important point is is 
it's cool to have like an idea of what you want it to sound like, but like if your band sounds nothing like what you want it to sound like, it's not ever going to sound like that. <laughs> yeah, it haven't. I, I I don't like to have high expectations and yeah. all that stuff when I'm making something. Right. I almost just like to, like I said, just sort of zone out, and whatever happens happens. Um, so I, a, a lot of my songs, you'll hear little mistakes, you'll hear some off notes, you'll hear a buzz, you'll hear all that. But to me, it's important to capture that and to roll with it because that's just what it sounds like. Um, yeah. You no, know, I, obviously I try to do another take sometimes if I think I can do it better. But if there's something in that take that I got that um, I'm not going to sacrifice just because I'm buzzed on a note. Uh, yeah. So I'll keep that buzz because there's something else that I captured that outweighs it. <laughs> totally. I, I feel like that's like, I don't know if you ever listened to Neil Young, like on uh, Harvest, the, out on the oh, weekend. Yeah. yeah, like out on the weekend, the first track. In, in that track, there's like something where like, I think right before it drops into the chorus or the bridge or something like it sounds like somebody like kicks one of the mics. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> and it's like, I haven't picked up on it, but I'll, I'll listen back to it. Yeah. yeah. Take a listen and you'll hear it. There's like a part. It's very clear. Like somebody definitely either was like moving. Cause like, I think that album was recorded in like a barn or something just like live, you know, with some mics in their room. And, but I always like, I always like used to think about that and be like, that's so funny because that, I mean, that take is amazing. I think that's obviously, you know, but it's just funny that I think it just goes along with what you're saying. It's that that's like, the even though there's like, a, I feel like if that happened today, it would be like, uh, oh, the takes ruined. Can't use that one. That take sucks because, you know, you kick the mic, but it's like, I feel like, I don't know. They were just like, whatever, like that's that, that happened. It sounds great. Like, this is a great take of it. We're not doing it again. <laughs> I don't know what the yeah. the reasoning was, but I I personally think that stuff's important too, and it's like something I've gotten a lot more better with being okay with because I used to be more of a perfectionist, and I'm really glad I kicked that habit. Do you think you ever at any point in time were you ever a perfectionist or? Um, not not with music or art. No, um, I don't know why, but I, I was with I am and I was with other things. Yeah. But um, art and music has always been something that I've done to get away from that. Mm. So that's interesting. I don't. I, I've been in bands where we've gone to big studios and we've we've done the quote unquote like perfect recording or tried to capture the perfect recording. So I've been a part of those things. But I was always kind of the guy in the band that was like, eh, you know, this is fun, but I would rather be doing it the other way. Yeah. Um, which eventually that just led to me just doing it by myself the way I wanted to. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, the, my friend Chris that I do a band called I see demons in the wood grain with, um, he was, he's recently has been saying, or we've, we've talked about that, how he used to kind of be like that as well. Mm. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if anything, it probably made you a lot better. I don't think that I've really progressed as far as I could have, because I never went through one of those periods. Yeah. I so mean, if I, anything, I it probably helped you get a lot better at what you're doing. That's yeah. That's an interesting take. Like I never, I never thought about about it that way. I was I always looked at it more as like a, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things kind of like what you're saying. It's, it was part of the journey and it got me to where I am now. And 
But it, it's funny because, yeah, I, I definitely was way more of one. And now I just kind of, like you're saying, just roll with the punches and just literally, if something feels like a good take, just just go with it and leave it. And I don't know. I, I just feel like that perfectionist mentality, I don't know. I, I, don't, I guess for some people it works, but I don't know. I think at the end of the day it takes away from a lot of the fun of it. But I don't know. I don't know if it was helpful. I, it's 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 weird. But I, I think I had to go through it, like you're saying, to to kind of get to where I am, which is the benefit of it and the good the good part about it. But I'm always curious as to what people are are in terms of like the perfectionism stuff because I've I come across a lot of people too that email me and comment on the stuff or and I know people and used to be a person that was a perfectionist and like I don't mean to make it seem like it's such a negative thing. I guess if it works for somebody, it works for them, but. For me, it just, I don't know, it really inhibited me and hindered me in, into, you know, I don't know. I feel like I would have never, like, that's what I always say. I, you know, I always say I would have never been able to do, like, a channel because in the past, like, 10 years ago, uh, I would have never put out the first video because it wouldn't, I thought, I wouldn't have thought it would have been good enough, you know. And I think if you want to get good at anything, um, you got to do it as much as you can. And if you're a perfectionist, yeah. you can't do that because you'll never get the first thing done because you'll endlessly tweak it. And I think the computer to wrap it all back to that is, um, is really not, is really not helpful in that sense because it's so easy to make everything perfect, whether visually, um, you know, note wise, uh, take wise, you know, lick wise, whatever it's, I don't know. So I feel like there's a lot of that wrapped in. That's why I was curious, like to see what your take on that, like perfectionism was. I, I just, if you even, if you go back and listen to the earlier bean trees recordings as well, like it, you can, you can hear how much I am not like that Yeah, that's <laughs> for, funny. for better or for worse. It's like a lot of the early songs and early recordings are just are like our garbage almost. Um, but to me, it was a stepping stone because the next one was a little better and the next yeah. one was a little better. And, um, which is that's a really great point just as like an aside I think is always that's what I've been saying a lot lately with things and like I did the the podcast last week last week with Mike and um, you know with the video it wasn't working out and some of the audio got messed up and and it was just like well you know I said I literally said to Mike and that's kind of been my new mantra it's like well we'll make it a little bit better next time you know I think that's I think as long as you're doing something reflecting on it seeing where you could do something differently or better, I think that's a, I think it's, I think it's a win, you know, and it's, I think it's, I think there's a, I think it's important to, to change our perspective into, because like, at least me personally, like I always just considered a lot of the things I did as to be failures. And then I realized that, no, like the fact that I actually completed them and got them done means that it, it was successful because I sought out to do something, you know, and I, and I did it. But I think just Success having that perspective shift is important. Yeah. Success is all in the eye of the beholder, and um, I can, I've i always considered it, if I'm doing something, it's successful because I did it. Yeah, um, that's there's really the so many people thing. that are just going to sit on the couch and veg out and watch movies and TV all day or uh, go to the mall and just you know blow money and go shopping or sit on the computer and shop on Amazon or something, and deep down inside, they have desires to... Like, kind of died out when they were younger or those things that when you're younger things that you dream about doing um music was that for me and i've never let go of it no matter what job i have or 
any other responsibilities, I've always stuck with music no matter what, because I refuse to let that dream or that little part of me die. Cause that's, that's, I think when you get old and burn out and grumpy. Yeah. Um, so even if I have to be up at five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and I have a song idea, I'm going to stay up until one o'clock and record. Um, I'd awesome. rather be tired the next day knowing that I did what I wanted to do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so it's just that I've always stuck with that. Yeah. Um, like my, one of my biggest influences hands down without a doubt musically is Daniel Johnston and that guy's attitude towards music and art is, uh, I mean, he, he deserves to be the millionaire billionaire musician. Not a lot of the people that are in my opinion. Um, but his attitude towards life and towards music is such a cool outlook. And I've, I've just always kind of stuck by that attitude. Just be happy that you're making music. Yeah. It's what you do. So the fact that, you know, if you record a song one day, you have to think about how many people wish they could do what you just did mm-hmm. and don't, they didn't take the time to learn it or have just psyched themselves out on it. Um, so you just have to be thankful that you have the guts to do it. And uh, it's a, yeah, it's you're a success just because you, you stepped up and did something that you wanted to do. That's a success. Yeah. That's seriously. I mean, then that, and that also is wrapped into like gratefulness too. Like, like uh, basically, you know what you're saying with, with Daniel Johnson, it's like some people just, like you said, for whatever reason, will never go after the things that they want to do. And then some people may just never be able to do them. You know, people in other countries, people in other situations. And um, I don't know. It's, it's like, I think that's that's been the biggest perspective shift for me too is, is is just being just being grateful and being thankful every day that I'm able to do the things that I want to do and and that was something like I said that's always something I say too is like make sure you do something you want to do today because I think a lot of people myself included in the past you know went down these paths where you like you were saying you kind of lose sight of what it is that you want or I, even people that are close to me in my life I feel they don't know what they want and that makes them miserable and even if it's something really small, I think, I think doing the things that you want to do is, is such an important thing. And then being grateful that you can even do those things too is, I don't know. That's where it's at. I, I feel like it's, it's almost, you can almost walk around like just blissed out because it's like, once you have that perspective and it's, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's strange. Cause I've been kind of getting to this point where, I mean, I, ha- I have my, you know, off days like anybody else and I've struggled with depression and things like that, but it's, I don't know. Just, just have, just being that, just being grateful. I think, you know, and, and like you said, like depending on how you measure success, like, cause I just see s- some people and I've, and I've been the person just with unhealthy, either expectations, unhealthy, um, you know, philosophies about things. And it doesn't, I, I, in my, my experience, like that's those kinds of things never leads you to a positive place. <laughs> not discouraging you're almost you're like you're psyching yourself out from doing the thing that you feel drawn to do in life or a lot one of my holdups like not to even get on a tangent but it just reminded me of it when i was younger and i was in high school i was in uh i took art classes and my art teacher would get frustrated because I wouldn't do exactly what she wanted me to do. I always did something a little bit different. Um, and she would have her art stars 
in in the class that did something you know real tried to be real realistic and the shading this that and the other thing if she asked for black and white i would usually turn in color <laughs> um so it's to me art is what you want it to be and it and it, it doesn't require you to get stressed out and it doesn't require you to overthink and overthink it and it doesn't require perfection it doesn't require any of that it requires you to be present in the moment and have your mind opened up to whatever possibilities might stumble upon you while you're doing it um so i think it's really important for people to if you are terrible at guitar but you've always wanted to record songs, learn two chords, strum them, make something up about how you feel that day and hit record. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. Those that are some of my favorite bands. True. What's that? Those are some of my favorite bands. Yeah. Exactly. And, and me too. So it's like someone like Jeffrey Lewis, he's really not the greatest guitar player. He's not a great singer, but he's relentless in his pursuit of creating art. Yeah. He's like a um, poet. And he, I know he does like comic books too, right? Yeah, he does. He's got, he's kind of like a younger version that not to even compare him to that. I would feel bad to even say it now that I was just thinking about it, but he, he's like a Daniel Johnston esque kind of guy, the comic books and, uh, kind of like lo-fi little folk punk. Yeah. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, what was that? There's like a, it's like the sidewalk cafe scene. I can't think of it was something like folk um anti-folk oh yeah yep um but even like someone like bob dylan you listen to early bob dylan terrible voice not a great guitar player atrocious at playing the harmonica but he had something to say mm-hmm. you could never take that away um yeah he just had like this drive he had enough too. where he kind of like shaped the generation so yeah. You never know what's going to happen if you just do it or mm-hmm. try to do it. Yeah, that's and that's uh, I think it goes along with the idea of just showing up. I think that's what you're saying. You know, like yeah, that's kind of present. Yeah, that, be aware of how you feel and what you want and pursue it. Yeah, you don't. You know, no one owes it to you. You owe it to yourself to at least try. Yeah, and that's I think I think that's such an important an important thing. You know, like a do like showing up and b doing it and then doing what you want to do. Cause like, I feel like the world goes to the people that show up, you know? Cause I, I feel like that happens a lot. I've noticed that this mentality online where it's like people will, you know, hate on somebody for doing something or like be, don't understand why somebody is, you know, in the place that they are in or the position they're in and has like a platform. And it's like, well, while you were watching TV or going to the mall, uh, that person was showing up for the past 10 years and, that person exactly. is, they were flying, they were yeah. perfecting their And I think that's like this the funniest thing about online culture is how hateful people can be toward other people who have maybe the things that they want and they don't realize that well, okay, when, as you're typing this this hateful comment, like A, you're probably projecting your own insecurities onto the situation, and B, the person that you're writing that toward is probably off creating something awesome, you know. Like, yeah, they're working. Yeah, <laughs> they're working like, on you know. They're they're working. I think a lot of that comes from jealousy. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, that's what I mean. And I think a lot of that jealousy comes from a place of what you were saying, like people that just are inactive, not taking action, not showing up, not trying to do the things that they want to do. Like, 
like even if you want to do something and it's and it you, like like a long way I was saying, you know, like this fear of failure, it's, and like we were saying about success, it's like, you can either look at trying to do something and then failing at it, or you can look at that or trying to do something and failing at it as a success, because the fact that you even just did it is light years ahead of not even starting it. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I've over the years, you know, like being the person that, you could probably relate to this. You record songs at home and to you, they mean the world and to others, it's kind of like, what is he even doing? Mm -hmm. You know, you get that, that sort of, uh, kickback from like family and friends or just people that don't really understand it. People don't get it. Um, and it sort of looks to them like, what does he think he's going to be a rock star or something one day? Like, what is the end goal here? It's confusing to other people, I guess. Why, why would you spend, three hours in your basement recording that song no one really is ever going to hear it yeah um and that that's the thing dude you just some people are drawn to do it and they're meant to do it and they'd be doing it no matter what you know i'd be doing this whether i was a millionaire or out on the street or in between like i am it's just it's just something that you're drawn to do in life and if you don't do it it creates other psychological issues (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I, I feel like a, I like a, a great analogy too is is the way that I look at people who are really into like souping up cars or something. It's like I have like no desire to. I don't understand that culture. I don't. I'm not like a car to me is just this very utilitarian almost appliance. And if it gets me to A to B, and it's a piece of shit, or in somebody else's eyes is a piece of shit that nobody would want to drive, or is a grandma car or, you know, whatever. It's like, like, I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm just happy that it gets me from here to here. Like, I don't understand. It's like, I feel like it's that same idea of like, when I look at people who are, you know, they like put their car really low to the ground and then like soup it up. And I think that's cool that people have like a hobby and that's what they want to do. Like, I'm not one to judge what somebody's hobby is, but it's like that, that same correlation, I feel like is what you're saying with like people who look at the stuff we're doing. Cause I, I definitely know exactly what you mean. And I found that like, cause like a lot of family and people too, they're always like, I feel like that's their their lens of reality is like, oh, well, people who make music are trying to be famous or people who make music are, the idea is yeah. like, you're going to make a shit ton of money. And, and it's like, well, what about just doing it for the sake of like, you enjoy it? Like, like people, exactly. I don't know, like the people who are like souping up cars, are they doing it because they want to like race them and become like somebody in that culture that's like looked up to? Like, I honestly don't know, but um, I would I would assume that they're doing it because they just love tweaking cars and tweaking the engine and changing parts out and, and painting things like, like I could totally relate to that, but I may not understand it, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I totally know what you mean. And then I've, I just found like too, unfortunately, sometimes those people, um, I don't know. I don't want to say you got to cut them out, but if they're not like a line, if they don't really understand what you're doing, it's, it can be so frustrating because I feel like I'm somebody who, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I used to be, um, where I still am very, um, I'm very easily swayed by other people. So I kind of like, yeah, I was at a hard time. Like I'm just sensitive in general. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, if, if you, if you have a bunch of friends that are into cars then like, Oh, maybe you become somebody who's into cars. Well, it's also that idea of like, you are the combination of the five people you surround yourself with or like you see the most. Right. So if like you surround yourself with five other people that 
want to like play Fortnite all the time, like chances are you're going to become somebody that's just like playing video games all the time. Like, but if deep down you really want to be playing music, like those people that you're surrounding yourself with are really doing more of you a disservice than, and it's like, maybe those people are really cool, but I don't know. I feel like if, I feel like that's also a really important part of it is, is what you surround yourself with. Because if you just surround yourself with people who just like don't understand what you're trying to do and the art you're making, or I don't know. I mean, it it can get to a sticky situation depending on who those people are, but you know, I, I don't know. I guess what I was just trying to say is like, it's important who you surround yourself with. If, if, if people give you those vibes where it's like, cause that just doesn't make you, that never made me feel that good about myself and the things I was doing. And it always made me really question like why I was doing the things I did. And I never really thought that deeply about it. It was more yeah, just like it, a well, part of it, what I wanted to do. It's almost like they're, they're trying to drag you down into like a pit of their insecurities mm-hmm. um, instead of lifting you up or encouraging you. Um, also some that I've found in the, I'm pretty involved in our local music scene. I'm pretty active. I try to go out to shows as much as I can being a a father of three kids. That must be tough. um, (laughs) uh, um, But you know, I'm pretty involved and you see a lot in the local music scene. If a band starts to get a little bit of, um, popularity going or like they catch on a little bit they almost get um outcasted or like or or like uh hated on yeah times in the local music scene um by like smaller bands and i think that is just another example of it people's insecurities and or it should have been me type attitude um yeah well i think think we've all experienced that you know to be honest we've all experienced that feeling But I, I think know. now as I get older, it's a lot more important to just embrace it and be proud that someone from your area or someone that you know is doing something that they want to do and yeah. is being is successful with it. Well, um, yeah, I, I feel like I have not, I don't mean to cut you off. I just have this, I feel like I have this, just like a theory about that too, is like, and that's like why that's always something I say is like, do what you want to do because along the lines of those people that don't understand what you're doing or the people that are hating on other people for their success I think it comes down to people that are, like you were saying, just very insecure about themselves and not doing the things that they want to do. And then they're just projecting their garbage attitude onto everybody else. But if everybody was really doing the things that they wanted to do, because I noticed that the people that will shit on you for doing the things that you do are people that are usually, are, are always not happy with either themselves, where they are in their life, the things that they're doing. Because I've never met a happy person or a person that was like secure in who they are, uh, have this kind of attitude. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're doing what you want to do, chances are you're going to be happy for other people that are doing what they want to do. Yeah. It's like my friend, uh, she just ran the New York city marathon, you know? And I was like, that's so fucking cool. You know, it's my like, friend did too, actually. Yeah. It's like, I wouldn't, ne- and it's like, I would never do that. Right. But I totally, like, I'm super happy for her. That's a huge accomplishment, you know? You know, I'm, and it's like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if you're happy with where you are in your own life, the things that the people do around you, you're just happy for them because you see somebody going after what they want to go after. Like that's something she had to train for, for many weeks and was like, you know, getting up the courage and, and the, and the, the stamina to do it. And like, that's fucking sick, you know? Um, and I just feel like, I don't know. It's, it's just funny. Like, 
people, I feel like just people, when you're happy with what you're doing, it's like you just have nothing but positivity for the people around you. And when you're unhappy with who you are or the, the decisions you've made or the things you're not pursuing, then you just, you just, it's just poisonous. It's just like this really, this negative outlook. And that's, that's why like, I, I just try to be as positive as I can and, and do the things that I want to do. Cause I think that's like a message worth spreading, you know? Yeah. I, I try to encourage everyone to pursue whatever it is and you know, that they, that they've dreamt of doing or yeah. that they want to be doing. Cause, um, cause you've been in that position at the very start and we all suck at whatever it is we're trying to do for a long time. And then eventually you have like a realization at some point, at least I'm hoping you do <laughs> where, you know, you get to a point of where you've put in your time and you're, you've almost perfected your little craft. Yeah. And it takes a long time. It takes a long time. It's, I feel like it's a never ending oh, yeah. journey. It, it, I don't think it ever ends. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what I was talking. I think I was talking to this with Mike the last week and it's like, I feel like that's, I feel like when you, the second that you think that you're good at something is when it's like over, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. cause yeah, yeah. there's so many bands that break it or break. And obviously we can't, we can't put ourselves in their, their, their shoes, but I feel like once you get to a point where you drink the Kool-Aid of like, yeah, we're awesome. We're really good. Like you will just, you'll just not stop pushing to get better at something because then you're just like, well, we're good. So anything we do is good inherently. So, you know, but like you and me and like anybody who works hard on their music knows like it takes a lot of time to make something that's, I don't know, that you feel is good. I, like, I don't think everything I do is good. It's like, there's, you know, I think like one out of every four things I write is like pretty good. It's gotten to a point where I don't yeah. suck anymore. You know, <laughs> that was like, I remember like, I'm in the same boat, dude. yeah, it's like, I remember I was in marching band one year in high school and, and, uh, I remember just like, you know, that was all about practicing and, and people, uh, everybody had to work together and things. And I remember like, it was just very humbling. Like one time the guy, the director was like, all right, you guys don't officially suck anymore. Like, you know, after practicing for like, <laughs> like months, you know, it was like, it's just like, so such a true thing, you know, it's like, I mean, that's such a kind of a dick thing to say, but it's just true. It's like, there's, yeah. you're going to just suck for a really long time or be worse than sucking for a really long time. And then, and then you're going to suck. And then. Maybe something you do is, hey, that's not that bad. I mean, that's not that good, but hey, it's it's not bad, you know. And then and then once in a while, maybe you'll get something that's okay, you know. But I, and that's the thing that that blows me away too, and and something I never understood is just I, I just feel like also there's just a lot of bands and people, you know, we always think like, oh, that could be us, or um, like you were saying with people who like bands that break, and then there's like bands that are standing next to them and be like, how come that's not us? And it's like. I also just think that there's, I think a lot of bands and, and people and artists are, you know, they, people put in the work and, and get good, but at the same time, like, it's almost just like luck and it's like those people may only be a few percentages better or the, they might not even be, it just might, be, I think, I just feel like everybody's almost on the same playing field and then for some reason, some people just get a little bit higher than other people, if that makes any sense. Yeah, if you're if you're on the verge of something and it it's sort of all it I think it's just right place at the right time, honestly. Yeah. You can't you have guys that never left their basement that are a way better guitar player than, you know, any guitar player you could name that is well known. Right. And they they never did anything with it. So 
it, and it's just like what we were saying. It's about just doing it. So you have guys that could play guitar or compose a song better than anything that someone getting paid could imagine mm-hmm. of, or doing. Um, but they just don't have the desire to pursue it in that way. They just like sitting on the couch and playing guitar or just writing a song and just memorizing it and never really playing it for anyone. Yeah. So we really don't even, as, as musicians, there's people out there that would blow us away on every level, but it's the fact that they don't desire to do it. And we do. Right. Um, and people that listen to music, but don't have a desire to play it. They sort of rely on people that play music to, to provide that for them. It's weird. It's weird to think about, but, um, yeah, it's not just musicians that are listening to the stuff and it's not just people that make YouTube videos that are watching your videos. It's people that, uh, just enjoy it and or desire to do it and are checking out how to do it through you or it's, it's weird, but yeah, just being a creative person in general is some, if you go deeper into thinking about this stuff, like we are now, or, you know, just in your own thoughts, it's a, it in perspective makes you realize how crazy being on earth is. (laughs) Not to get too off topic, but no, yeah, I I definitely, I don't. Yeah. (laughs) That's like a whole other universe of, of thought. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about that. At some we could go point. into a whole, yeah. yeah. It's just crazy being here. Yeah. Um, so, well, I th- and I have those moments a lot when I'm playing my guitar where you almost have an outer body experience. Yeah. And it's like, well, this, this is fucking crazy shit, man. This piece of wood with strings on it. And yeah. Yeah. It's the, like, what is wired to write songs? Like, where does any of this come from? It's, yeah. it, it's just, it's, uh, it's a lot of food for thought. That's like a whole other level of like, I mean, I think that's, that comes down to like meditation too. You know, it's, it's like you're, you're being, you're like so in the moment, you know, I think that's, I think that's also something that's yeah. great about music is, is that, is that exact feeling is, is forgetting is when the world kind of falls away, you know, and it's like, just like they're doing it. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I almost have more euphoric feeling from music when I'm playing my songs in the basement with no one else here than it, when I'm playing, I'm at a show. Cause when I'm at a show, I'm just being self-conscious and thinking about what I'm doing or how I'm playing something. But when I'm at home and I'm just down in the basement running through a song or practicing a set or something like that, you have those moments of uh, euphoria or the sort of meditative states that happen that, um, you know, and it's the same with drawing. And like you were saying with cars, my, Two of my best friends, my friend Bill and my friend Tom, they're into building cars. And uh, my friend Bill actually races them. He does like the quarter mile races and stuff. His oh, name's wow. Wild Bill Ducker. He's a crazy dude. But they That's really that. funny that that um, was the example they, I used. They get, they get that feeling from that. Yeah. So, yeah. like you were saying, it's almost like an overall just general respect of people pursuing things that they love to do and, and knowing that they're all getting that feeling that you get from it in some capacity. So it just makes you respect when people are really passionate about what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I I think anytime anybody is super passionate, even if it's like baking a cake or, you know, laying bricks, it's like just watching that person do the thing that they're really passionate about. I don't know. There's, there's, like you said, there's this adoration and, 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 and like respect for that, you know? Yeah, I, I'm. I've I've always been like that, but as I get older, I think it it's getting stronger and stronger. Um, I'm becoming more aware of it. How much time people put into things, and 
Um, just I when I go to local shows, there's there we have so much talent here. It's it's unreal, um, and most of it will probably never be heard, which makes me sad a little bit. But um, when I see a, a younger local band that's opening up a show and it sort of brings you back in time. You sort of time travel back to being that younger guy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's awesome to know what they have ahead of them. Yeah. And all the different possibilities that could happen or, um, just like the good times they'll have. Or, and even the, there's, a, there's a few like older guys that have stuck around locally and continue to play shows and, and just talking to them and you get, really thankful to be playing shows because they get you in that feeling of, man, I'm just thankful to be in the basement playing a show still yeah. at 40 or 50. Right. Um, so it, it's also, it's just good to know that number one, it doesn't have to end. You can play local shows in basements and living rooms and coffee shops and open mics and stuff like that for the rest of your life. Like you don't need a booking agent. You don't need a record label. You don't need, a ton of hype. You don't need any of that. The fact that you're writing songs, you can perform them for people whenever you want to. And you can have that feeling of playing a show. And, uh, whether there's 10 people there or 50 or a hundred, you're, you're on the, you're in the, uh, microcosm of the macrocosm, you know, like that's what it's like on a small level to be sort of that, whatever it is for a night, you get sort of get to put on like a different man. I don't know. It's weird. The go to work all week and nobody even knows that that part of you exists. Then on the weekend, you can play a show in front of a hundred people that only know you because of your music. Um, yeah, that's like, um, it reminds me of, have you ever seen parks and rec? I've seen a few, my wife likes that show a lot, but I've, so I've seen a little bit through her. Yeah. Cause there's like a, there's one character who's this like, uh, conservative Ron Swanson guy and, but then, like, it just reminds me of what you're saying. And then on the weekends or something, he leads his double life, and he's, like, this jazz saxophonist, and, like, nobody knows. <laughs> That's, like, his passion. <laughs> Forget it. He has, like, a really funny stage name. But, yeah, man, I think I think that's super inspiring, like, everything you just said. It's, it's – I think it just – I think it comes down to just living your truth, like, and doing the things that you want to do. And, not, like you said, there doesn't have to be any end. Like, that's, that's sometimes how I feel, you know, with, with making music and just, like – and I'm sure that – yeah, you, know, you too. Like the age that you're at, it sounds like we're. I think we're about the same age, right? Like early thirties. Yeah, I'm thirty-four. Yeah, yeah, I'm thirty. Oh, yeah, I think we talked about this. Yeah, I'm thirty-three, and it's just like you know, for for a little bit, of, I, I definitely feel like I've aged out of local scene a bit, you know, and and maybe it'll come back around. Um, but because uh, you know, I live in the college town, and there's a lot of college kids, and I don't know. I just uh, and it's just priorities, man. It's like I can't stay out till till 3am, you know, anymore. I mean, I probably maybe, maybe could try it again, but that's something the channel has been really positive for me along the same lines is like, I could pretty much play a show whenever I want on the channel if I just live stream it, you know, and that's something I've been trying to you know, put, put out to people yeah, too. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, I think, I think I honestly think anybody who want, who's doing music, if, if you have the, I think anybody, sh anybody could make a channel, but not everybody will. And if there's an, if you need an outlet and you don't have as much time, like, I don't know. I think the channel is great because you can potentially reach people who are really into what you're doing and still get a lot of the same benefits that you would by, you know, going out and playing shows and things like that. And yeah, just as a creative outlet is really is what the channel comes down for me. It's, it's been really good in terms of that, like almost just like an art project or 
and like a project, just a big project of like learning all about all these things I knew nothing about. And it's, it's great. You know, that's always something I recommend to people too. And, um, but I think that, I think that's really cool. It's like what you're saying, you know, like you really don't need any of those things. And, and really in the, in the, in terms of the numbers, it's like most of us will never be, you know, the, the Daniel Johnston, the, no, most of us will never be, um, you know, um, Oh man, why can't I think of the guy's name? He's like a younger guy, and he he has uh, he's he th- he records on the tape machine. And he's recorded on the four track. I can't think of his name. You know, most of us current. Will, yeah, very current. He's put out uh, salad salad days. I can't think of oh Mac Demarco. Yeah, I, I don't know why I couldn't think of Mac Demarco's name, but like Mac Demarco is the man. So many people hate on him. I don't get it. I don't at get all. it either, like, man. Like that stuff's instant classic dude, in my book. He's so good. Why do people hate on him? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> it makes me mad. He's so good. I well, that's what I mean. Like I don't know. I feel like most of us will just never will never be that. You know, that's it's just the numbers thing. You know, it's it's a timing thing and. <laughs> But he kind of like. I'm glad that you said that. Mac DeMarco represents us in that bigger world, right? Like he is the representation or the collective of us fucking like geek basement recorder, like four track tape nerd people that like focus so much on this stuff that other people think doesn't matter. Like he's he's the representation of that in the bigger picture. Yeah, so yeah. he's almost like our politician. So <laughs> I, I think I think people should really learn to love him and support him because he is representing us. He's he's done what a lot of people dream they could do with a home recording setup. Yeah, and that is so. Uh, plus, he's just a funny dude, and he makes great music. Yeah, I feel like he, he's all package. And that's and like you're saying, a lot of this stuff's coming back around again. I feel like a big part of it is is his influence and his you know desire to work on analog formats like he's somebody that comes up weekly on the channel in comments or on the live stream or in emails and a lot of people derive a lot of inspiration from him and i think that's fucking sick you know that's that's like something like one quote i always like quote from him is i think in one of those interviews or there's like a documentary i think and he's like he's like get your head he's like (laughs) like what's a tip for people or something along those lines he's like get your head out of that ableton shit you know like it's all, yeah. about, it's all about the pitch wheel. I know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, think I, that's I like, quote that a lot too because it, it's relevant. I, I feel like there's a correlation too between like his level of talent and the way that he pursues his recording process, you know, and because I don't know. And I, I like I said, I think there's, I think there's um, like he's a big reason that a lot of, there's a lot more interest in this, in this sort of, um, this sort of format and recording style. And like you said, the representation of, this underground culture of people with a dream and, and a four track. Yeah. He, he shows you it's completely possible. Like there, you know, it's not just some fantasy dream that you, that you look like a fool for thinking about, especially for young people, man. It, he proved that if you put, you put your effort into it and you show up and you record songs, you can do something with it. It's possible. There's a, like, you know, that there's now an example before you, before we had people, we had examples of people being pretty successful with it. Someone like Beck, he was really successful yeah. with it as well. Right. Um, but he's the modern example for a lot of the younger people who probably won't 
get as far back to listen to something like Beck one foot in the grave yeah, or something yeah. like that. Um, so it, he's accessible. He's young. He's writing great music. He's keeping guitar sort of rock music, uh, really relevant in outside of the mainstream culture. You don't listen, you don't really hear yeah. him on mainstream radio. He's not getting pushed in that way. He sort of just made a name for himself. And he has a very uh, distinct sound and aesthetic too. I got to say like, whether that's, I mean, partially the tape machine, partially the um, chorus guitars, you know, like, like I feel like now whenever I hear like a chorus guitar and like a certain style of, of guitar solo, I'm like, that's like clearly influenced by Mac DeMarco, you know, it's like, it's like his yeah. style is so, it's like, a, like, I feel like as soon as one of his songs come on, if I mean, I'm pretty familiar yep. with his catalog, but like, it's like instantly recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. He has a sound and. Hey man, he's he's doing big things. I, yeah. I'm I'm fully supportive of him, man. I buy his vinyl. I've seen him live. I, you know, I I think he's great. <clears throat> but I can say that maybe it's just locally around here. Or something. It's almost like he's um, not hated on, but almost mocked. I guess, or just he's he's so big in I guess pop culture and in the indie scene that it was just a matter of time before. it became that but well yeah i I think a lot of that too is what we're saying you know like it could come down to jealousy you know like you're saying he represents the the dream or the um the the uh it's like well if he could do that why can't i you know and but i feel like that's that's a big part of it too is like it's just i just feel like whenever i see anybody hating on anything now i just kind of it kind of comes back to i kind of like have this realization that everybody's just kind of projecting their shit onto the world you know and the things that they're unhappy with like because like i was saying i feel like people who are who have like um who are like confident in themselves or or are are happy with where they are or happy with the things they're doing or doing the things that they want to do generally don't go around like hating on stuff you know and i I think it's part i don't know i mean that's my just my theory but i just i just notice that a lot that's why i really don't take anything people say or do personally anymore because i realize it's just a projection of their own insecurities onto the world, you know, but, but yeah, I think, I think that the, that has something to do with, maybe has something to do with it, you know, like you're saying, like a jealousy thing. I don't, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, it definitely could be. I, and you know, I, I don't Cause know. Cause I noticed that there, same other, trend. And there's I, I think other it's, representations I, of people getting well known off of recording at home sure. and stuff like that. But yeah, I yeah. think he's just modern, modern day. He's a really good example of it. And, and I hope up listening to Mac DeMarco. Like that, <laughs> that uh, you know, I think it's great. When I, I I've seen him live a few times, it's all young people, and it's awesome. Yeah. It's, he's bringing it back to being a. You're at a rock and roll show. People are smoking pot. People are drinking beers. People are dancing. People are crowd surfing. Uh, people are buying merch. People are walking out of the show with vinyl in their hand. Now, not that I mean, I think that's pretty common nowadays. I'm not saying that no other bands are selling vinyl. Obviously, they are. But when you're there, you just feel like you're almost you. Uh, he's, it's just another thing of like time travel almost. You, he brings you back a little bit. He brings it back to the roots. I think it's really important. I love that it's happening. Um, but yeah, I, I think people do hate on it because they wish they could be doing that. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Um, when I saw him, actually, a band called Walter as well. Which what was, was it called? Uh, you cut out Pierce. there for a second. 
when I saw him live in Philly at the Troc, uh, a band called Walter TV played, okay. which was Pierce who played bass in Max Band for a while. They oh, were also yeah. very good. Cool. I got to check them um, out. I've, I've heard the name, and I, I'm aware of. Um, I think I saw the document. I remember the documentary. I think I saw he was in it because I think he's he's kind of changed members now, right? He has like a different band. Yeah, different lineup now. So yeah, I'll check that out. Walter TV. That sounds cool. Yeah, they were good, man. That's awesome. But yeah, here in South Jersey, um, I think he does get hated on. I think in Philadelphia, he probably doesn't. Which is we're we're basically a suburb of Philadelphia. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I I think I think it comes back to what you're saying too earlier about just, and I think there's something about it that is a little bit off-putting. But like, just when anytime anybody achieves any sort of or perceive even perceives success, I feel like there's this like mob mentality of like kind of going after that person or you know yeah. like hating on them. And like I I don't know. I, I just I just I just have to think that a lot of that is based in like this jealousy unhappiness like like i don't understand that desire you know it's i think if people were gen- i think if people were happy and 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 doing the things they wanted to do you wouldn't have this like i don't know like that kind of that kind of like mentality to like tear down people who have put in work to to get somewhere i don't know i just i see that across a lot of different industries i don't know just it just seems it just seems weird i guess maybe it's just a human thing i don't know but yeah as people start to pull away from the pack you know, you're going to get a lot of hate for it. Yeah. It's like the pack mentality. I think it's, it's human nature. Right. Um, someone's kind of leaving the pack. Everyone's like, Oh, you know, screw that guy or yeah. screw that girl. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, and then you have the people that want to hold on to the pack mentality. They, they never try hard enough to separate themselves from the pack. So it, there's both ends of it. Yeah. Cool, man. Yo, I think I'm gonna. This is this is awesome, dude. Uh, I I'm I'm really thank you so much for coming on and and chatting, dude. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. And I, I was really excited to do this. You know, like being from South Jersey, there's not much opportunity to ever do something like this because it's so close to here. <clears throat> um. So yeah, thank you for having me on. I was, I loved it. Yo, thank, I appreciate. I, I'm I'm really grateful that you uh, like reached out, and obviously we've been chatting. But thanks for uh, stepping up and, and coming on. This is this is like I feel like this is uh, definitely one of my favorite conversations, man. We I feel like we hit a lot of points and really uh, I don't know, just like distilled a lot of the themes and and uh, things about the channel and just about the recording mentality and philosophies of the channel and stuff. It's, this is this is sick, man. Yeah, dude. I mean. When I when I came across your stuff, that that was how I felt. It was it, you just you you came off as like I, I felt like I already knew you. <laughs> That's so, cool. Um, yes, yeah, I just felt comfortable to email you and to ask questions and to join the forum and do you know it just seemed welcoming. Thanks, um, man. You just had like a welcoming personality, and it just came off to me. It, you just you felt. You fit, you, it felt like somebody that I knew from around here going to shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's super funny. That, I feel like, yeah, that's that's been an experience with this too. It's like, and obviously our talk now, it's like I feel like 
it feels like we've been friends, you know, I've, I've been talking to you for years. It's like just so fluid. It's funny. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's a good thing, man. I, I enjoy talking to you. I enjoyed the videos and tutorials, obviously. Like it's crazy for probably for you to think about how many people <laughs> you help out without realizing that you're helping them. Cause they even, might not email you. I don't even know. Oh. I don't even know. You know, it's like, uh, I see that a lot of people watch it, but I don't know if that's like repeat watchers. Like I just never really know, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really awesome because like a few people email me or comment or, you know, Instagram me or whatever. And it's like, it's crazy. Like how, how much, how far it is, it is seemed to be getting and, and helping people. And that's, and that's really what, I don't know, man. I just like, that's super, like that's, it makes it all worthwhile because it's like, it's like that message and that mentality. It's like, if I can save somebody, you know, like, cause literally, you know, it probably took like five or 10 years or, you know, just, and just working on music. And I mean, just my whole adult life, you know, if I could save somebody like some time or some years of like heartache or, you know, like trying to figure out how to work some device or trying to figure out how to get like some kind of sound that they're looking for. Like that's, that's what it's all about to me. Like, cause I wish I had that when I was younger, man. I, like, I think that's the, one of the biggest things like I want to do and, and make in the world is like the stuff that I didn't have when I was younger and, you know, and, and, and like the support and, and the, um, I don't know, just like a positivity about it. Cause like you're saying, I think there's so many, op- there's so many exits when you pursue creative things, you know, if, if creativity and art is like a highway that you're on and like a journey you're doing, it's, it's so much easier to take an exit from that than it is to just keep going. And I think, especially in today's world, like the way that certain things are, it's like, I don't know, like people, I don't know. I'm just glad that people find value in like the channel and, 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 you know, pursuing art. Cause I think at the end of the day, it's like one of the, one of the most important things that you can do is like a person. <laughs> yeah. Same with me, dude. It's, it's outside of my family and my, you know, my marriage music is what I connect to people with. Um, most of my friends play uh, and record and that's how we all connect and that's our language of communication. So to, to expand that circle, meet people from other places that do the same thing, that could never be a bad thing. Um, So it's, it's been a blessing to, you know, meet other people, whether it's through the internet or not um, and kind of expand my knowledge a little bit and learn, learn from people. Cause like I said before, like, people tend to be really secretive with that knowledge or with those little bits of information that could really save you time or make your recording sound better. Yeah. Uh, So it's nice when you have friends or people that you can talk to that'll help you out and figure it out. So it's not so confusing. Yeah. And like, I honestly don't understand why that those, those things are so guarded, you know, like those secrets and especially in today's information age, you know, it's, it's as easy as just like, googling something but i just find like a lot of people that do have this like secretive nature about them either i don't know maybe don't know as much as they think they know about it and that's why they're guarded about it because I, I okay so like that's something i always like say too and that's i think i made a video about it at one point about like sharing your secrets and it kind of hit me i was reading this book this this book by this guy tim ferris i forget i think i don't know he put out a couple books and they're like kind of like self-help books kind of like mentor type books and basically saying like there's like three things that happen when you when you share your secrets with people it's like 
especially with the videos, right? Like 60% or something of the people that watch like a video that's like a secret, quote unquote secret. It's like, they're just going to watch it and be like, cool, that's awesome. And then like 30, the other 30% of people are going to like try it and not be able to do it as well as you. And then they'll probably ask you some questions about it and you'll get to help them. And then there's going to be this other 10% of people that do it better than you. And those people are going to reach out to you too and be like, Hey Mike, like, guess what? I tried this thing you, you, you recommended and it came out awesome. And this is what I did. And then like, you're just going to learn even more about the things that you're passionate about by sharing what you know about them. And then you're probably going to meet people that are become pretty good friends of yours because they're going to be that much, they're going to be that into the things that you're into. And I I think it's just, it's just a, like, it doesn't have to be this negative, like, Oh, well, if I share my secret, then like, they're going to steal my sound. And like, What's that? A lot of times it's like, oh no, someone could get better than me. Yeah, I know. And it's, and it's like, but that's it. If you, if you're truly, if you're on this path of, of wanting to be the best or get better at something like that can only help you because chances are that person is going to reach back out to you and, and, and become your friend and, and explain to you, you know, how to do something better. I don't know. Yeah. That's been my experience. And it's like, I feel like that's even comes down to this, our talk today. You know, it's like, you know, you reached out and was like, Hey man, I really like this stuff that you're doing. And, and now we have this awesome conversation about this, this world of stuff that we're passionate about. And it's like, this is sick. And and hopefully this will find its way to more people that are passionate about these things. And they reach out to us. And like you said, it's just, I, I don't see how that's not, that can't be anything but positive. I don't know. It's it's funny because I I just feel like there's so many people with that mentality, like you're saying, the secretive, you know, it's kind of like that old school like gatekeeper, uh, walled off information behind closed doors type thing. And I don't know. I just I've just never been attracted to those type of people anyway. You know, it's like I feel like there's always something those people are kind of insecure about or. I don't know. My, my buddy Jay, I mean, he, he said something about it. I forget what he said exactly, but I think basically paraphrasing is just, like I said, when I started saying about the secrets, it's like usually people who are so secretive about stuff are more concerned that you're going to find out maybe they're not as good about, not as good at what they're doing that they think they are. Because if they were, again, to use Mac DeMarco as a reference point, I know that, you know, somebody, this I think is a pretty well-known thing, but somebody reached out to him on Reddit or emailed him about, Hey, how'd you get the sounds on salad days? And he like down to the program number of, I think it's like an Alesis, I don't know, microverb or some sort of reverb unit, rack unit. He's just like, oh yeah, it's just this setting and this, you know, the knobs are at this level. And it's like, because, I mean, and the, the thing is like, that guy is so good at what he does. Like, it doesn't matter if somebody just like completely takes his exact same setting like they're going to make something that sounds completely different than what he's doing because nobody's making going to be able to make the same thing as him and anybody that's going to try yeah. to make something yeah. better or copy what he's doing is going to just be seen as as somebody that's is posturing you know i don't know like i feel like that's i don't know i feel like, like when i heard that story i thought that was like super really super inspiring super cool you know and it's like a perfect example because i feel like in the past people may not have been as open about it or people have not been as open about it. You know, it's always this like record, like you were saying when we first started talking, it's like this recording process is a secretive thing. And, you know, we can't let out the, the secrets of, of the process. Otherwise, like, I don't know, 
bad things are going to happen. <clears throat> well, like the fear of someone's going to get better than me, the possibility of it. Um, so that I think keeps people in fear of sharing anything. I just, yeah, um, I feel like that drives the, that drives like the, the motivation to get even better though too, you know? And I, like I said, I think if somebody does happen to get better at it or, you know, use your information to, to make something great, like they're most likely going to reach out to you and let you know. Yeah. What they did, how they did it. Yeah. That's been my experience. And I think, uh, I just think that's super true. You know, like when I read that in that book too, that's kind of what pushed me to make some of the videos I did, you know? Yeah. Well, I, that I've, I've recorded at videos before where the whole process was sort of confusing because the guy that was producing and recording us was trying to keep everything he was doing for raps. So I think people recording at home is considered a threat to the recording industry. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I mean, all these big studios are like shuttering their doors, you know? Yeah. They don't want you to figure out what they're or why they're using it or how they're using it. Because you can possibly just go home and start doing it yourself and not have to pay them anymore. Because I think that's really the true secret, right? Is like, it's really not that hard to do it. And, you know, once you know how to do what they're doing, it's what they're doing is really not that special. They just, all it is is those people have just been doing it longer than you, you know? And that's, that's, yeah. that's again, like coming back to the channel. It's like, I've just been doing this for a long time. Like that, if that, if that makes me like better, I, I guess like the only thing that is different is that I've just been doing it for a long time. I've like, tried things and failed at them and you know and obviously i consider those successes but you know just like like getting shit done is just like 199 percent just falling flat on your face and, and trying and failing and things but like to me like i said like it i think it's more positive to just give people that information that i wish i had had and maybe save somebody else like 10 years of like toiling and you know trying to figure something out and it's like if you can just help that person like go to A to B rather than go from A to Z, like, I don't know, like how could that not be anything but like a positive? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to do that when I, if someone asks me to teach them a little bit on guitar, I do not start with, okay, well here we're going to go through some scales. You're going to want to go home and practice those for 15 to 20 minutes a day for like a year. And then we'll be ready to move on to some chords and chord structures. Like, no, someone that wants to play guitar, the only, the only way you're keeping it truly interesting is if you teach them a few chords and say, you know, now you could play this song or now you could go home and write a song. Um, it, it, I, I like to cut through the bullshit, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it keeps it interesting. It makes people want to pursue it. Um, because they're not sitting there messing around with, with the, the, a few of the steps that essentially don't matter that much. Maybe they do. Maybe they do matter. But um, I don't know. I, I, when I was taught guitar, that's kind of how I was taught. was just, here's a power chord. Now you can play essentially whatever you want. Yeah, um, now and you then can play there like... it just grew. You figured out different chords. But it made it really interesting in the beginning because immediately you were making sounds that sounded half-decent. Yeah. Well, that's what's cool, man, is like giving somebody the tools and then just kind of saying like, now you can make a house. Like, 
however you make that yeah. house is up to you. <laughs> Go for yeah. it. Like that's <laughs> exciting. Like because I think in the right in the right hands, like that can that can lead to some super interesting and, and forward thinking things. You know, because I don't know. Like I feel like that's always been the thing with with people who are like super who like really study music and theory and you know. I feel like the people who don't do that um, are really, really push things forward more because they people that like study structures and I mean I don't I think it's good to have an idea of some of that stuff but like I guess my point is I've noticed that people that do that are just can be very um, they they won't do things because they're like well I mean that's technically not right like you can't you technically can't do that but then you think of something like the Beatles like overdriving one of those consoles on like Revolution. Uh, you know, Revolution One or whatever, and it's like that's like the sound of like modern rock. If they hadn't fucking distorted that thing, which is the improper way to use it, like yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't know? have changed rock and roll. Yeah, and it's like so, like like I think having a structure and giving somebody the tools to do something is awesome. But then you can go so far down that path where it becomes like like stagnant. Like oh well, I can't do that because it's technically not a mixolydian scale, or I don't you know I don't even know the terminology, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't know too much music theory. I know a little bit, but I've always just played by ear. Yeah. Um, and was just taught a few chords and then just learned other chords, you know, from playing with people or jamming with people. Um, so to me, I, I I really respect people that, that practice and study their craft on that level, like down to the note. Um like professional musicians and uh, but that's never been me my desire has always been to kind of do what i'm doing being like a garage band or like a basement band and um to me it's more exciting yeah me too and I, I think that because i feel like that creative exploration you know and and i don't know like i think it just like comes down to just being like a do, like a doer you know like like when you want to do something and if you just have like the basic tools to do it, you know, I feel like this, this guy's the limit, you know? Oh yeah. That, that's why I've collected equipment and sort of, uh, tried to always be mindful of the fact that like one day I was going to have a little set up at, set up at home and have just added to it and added to it over the years, like chipped away at it. I think that's important too, for people to understand, like you don't just achieve that overnight either. You have to chip away at it. You have to, you have to record with a really shitty mic for a long time and eventually you'll get a nicer mic. And, uh, I started out on a four track where only two of the tracks worked. <clears throat> so I only had a two track, but eventually you just work your way up to the. Yeah, that's exactly but always doing something with what you have. Like just, if it's there and you have the ability to, to do something, just do it. Yeah. Just record something. That's funny. That's actually a video I'm going to be doing this week. A little like touching on that a little bit. That's that's actually really fun because I think that's that's like another tenant, you know, another thing that I really try to push the people, you know, like gear acquisition and that kind of stuff. Like again, like that's a whole that. other can of worms, you know. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's not. Well, I think. Yeah. We even have we have cell phones now. You can record on a cell phone. I don't know if any bands are doing that, but man, I. However you can do it, do yeah. it. Like if you're just recording little um one track recordings on your cell phone and put up a, a demo or something of that, just that's what you had to do it and you did it. Uh, that's 
I, I don't see what, how anyone could hate on that. Like you're just, you're producing material. Yeah. Just, it, it just depends. It all depends how you look at it. Like I, that's funny too. Cause like I, doing that national solo album month thing and it's like a you know it's like this thing some guy started a couple of years ago or ten, five years ago or whatever and it's you know you're supposed to make a, an album in a month and it's supposed to be like 30 minutes long and somebody in one of the groups like there's like a facebook group and they were like i don't know if i'm gonna have time to like do this this year and i wrote back i was just like well if you, you know if you take out your sound recorder on your phone and record one minute of acapella each day for the 30 days of november uh, there you go. You'll have an album. You'll have a 30 <laughs> track album eat with a minute long song. Like, you know, it was like, I don't know. It's like, depend. like, I guess if you're that thinking, would be an awesome album. yeah, you know, it's like maybe, you know, maybe four of those could is like, comes out to be really sick or maybe all of them come out to be really sick. But the fact is like, like, you don't, if, I don't know. I think, I just think that's funny. It's like you clearly, you could do that, you know, like your car is warming up in the morning and you acapella something for a minute you know i mean it's like it just depends how you look at it i guess and i think that's like along what you're saying like work with what you got and because like the hard the hardest thing is starting so because already like that's just like a a defeatist attitude it's like oh i don't think i'm gonna have time to do this and it's like like if you have like literally 30 minutes like over the course of the month you could technically put something out that fits the criteria of the challenge you know (laughs) yeah oh yeah Cool, man. This is I, awesome. This, I, is, this is a great talk, man. It really was, yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah, man. I, I feel like that's one thing I want to go back through these and, and like either come up with like some sort of like PDF or because there's a lot of common themes, you know. So it, it it's cool doing the the podcast. It's 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 funny because it doesn't it doesn't uh, they're not as popular as like the channel, you know, and it's kind of like a different audience, I think, but. Um, they're really fun to do. And I feel like it, it really gets down to like the nuts and bolts of creating stuff and then helps people. Cause like a lot of people, I feel like don't talk about this kind of stuff or you have to kind of like seek this kind of stuff out. And then you feel like you could be like alone in like your thoughts about this stuff. And then you hear two other people talking about it and it just kind of like clicks. It's like, Oh, holy shit. Like there's other people like thinking about the exact same stuff I'm thinking about in terms of creativity. (laughs) In like the, in the sort of lo-fi world, it's almost frowned upon to be confident in a way, in a sense, like it, you know, people are scared to admit that what they're doing, they enjoy doing it and where they think they're good at it or they like what they're doing. Yeah. A lot of people tend to just go with the attitude of like, Oh, it sucks. Or, Oh, I just do it for whatever. Or try to play it off like real cool. Yeah. Um, I, I try not to be like that. I'm excited about, I'm always excited about what I'm doing. Um, I do love what I do. I do love the music that I make because I make it for myself, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's therapeutic. So um, I'm never shy to admit that what I'm doing is important to me and it is something great to me. Hell yeah. Uh, and I, you know, and I see that in you too. And I, yeah, I respect man. it. That's, you know, that's, I think what um, I sort of gravitated toward felt comfortable is cause you're, you're putting yourself out there and you're doing it really well and you're uh, putting out good information. So I think Thanks, man. people are going to gravitate towards that. Thanks, dude. That, that means a lot, man. I appreciate you. Uh, that's sick. It's like, because I, I think that, that it's just important. I don't know if it's like, it just took me time to get to that place or I don't know if you feel like, is it just, do you think it's just our age? Do you think it's, have you always kind of, cause like, 
I feel like I kind of it took me a while to realize like the the purpose of it is is for me. You know, like I think I kind of started out knowing that and then you know, the life stuff gets involved and then I kind of come back around to like no, this is like what I want to do because I just want to do it. Like if I was if it was like 1800 and it was like the wild west and I had like a ranch somewhere and it was just like me and my family, like I'd probably stay up at night and just like fucking rock out on whatever instrument I had just because I wanted to do that. It's like, like whether anybody was going to hear me or not or whether it was any good or not, I probably would just do that. And that's, I think that's the question. Like a lot of people, I don't know, just need to ask themselves is like, if there was never any chance of anybody seeing this and that's, and that's why it's cool. The world that we live in today is now you have the entire world potentially you could see the things that you're doing and, and either enjoy them or not. And, that's why it's so exciting to be a creative person, but it's just funny because like, it's like, you know, when you're just like drawing in your textbook and, or like drawing in your notebook in like fifth grade, it's like, you're just doing that for the the fucking love of it. Not because you're thinking somebody's going to see it and, you know, and it's just for you and it's like, it makes you feel good and it kind of, you know, whatever it's, it's like, I think that's a good important question as a creative person to ask yourself. It's like, if, if nobody else was, if there was never a chance anybody was ever going to see any of the stuff you did, would you still do it? Yeah, that dude, that is the question. That's the that question. is the question of all questions. That's how you separate the artists from the money makers. Yep. Yeah. I've so, come across some people that it's interesting to see their philosophies on YouTube, on YouTube too. I'm not going to like, obviously I don't like, I don't want to name anybody name or call people out on it, but not that it's even something to call people out on just, it's just it's just funny like i definitely see that like i i feel like there's just certain philosophies that on the surface they they seem like they could be good but in the end they're just inherently negative and and certain things that are just a positive way of looking at things and i guess part of it is just because i've been kind of raked through a lot of them and and used some of them in different points in my life and and kind of realize that certain certain ways of thinking about things and certain lenses of it like will not bring you anywhere positive. Yeah. I think just like, like you were saying, it's, it's important to just have that positivity. So why put yourself through those things? Why create those thought patterns? Why um, buy into those thought patterns? Why even give it the energy that it's seeking um, when you could easily just be happy that you are doing something and just be, thankful that you're capable of doing something physically, mentally, whatever it is, um, or just having the courage to do it. And, you know, I think your, your perspective changes a lot once you start being thankful yeah. for things like that. Um, but you know, I, I have, I have all different friends that have all different, um, reasons why they're into music or whatever, but I, it sort of over time has just filtered itself into now I'm just surrounded by, my musician friends that sort of have the same outlook as me and it happened naturally. Um, other people just phase themselves out when they realize that you're not giving into what they want to achieve and you're just staying on the path of achieving what you want. Um, it sort of just filters itself to where all of a sudden you're surrounded by people that are sort of in the same mindset. And, um, my two like really good friends through music that we play with a lot, Chris and Ray, they're, you know, I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by two people that have that outlook. Um, and 
it's just come, I guess over time, like all three of us have gone through similar um, experiences like that. Like you're saying, like dealing with that kind of mindset to where now it's just sort of surrounded by people that don't think like that. Yeah. Well, cause I think, I think what, I think it's like, there's like a certain journey. Like I said, there's like a, this highway and there's all these exits you can take. And sometimes people bail on when it, when it gets to a point where they realize like, or those philosophies don't work, you know? And, and it's almost like, I think the saying is like the only way out is through. And it's like, once you go through certain tunnels or certain things, you know, it's like, you kind of figure out, like you're saying, it's like certain people just fall away, you know? And, and then you're left with the people that really understand what you're doing and, get that's that's sick you know that's 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 awesome that you have those people in your life yeah that's what you're like that's that's what i've always tried to get to that's what i've always what i'm doing now i wish that i could have been doing it when i was younger and there was more people paying attention to what i was doing yeah um as when there was more people paying attention i was doing stuff that i didn't really want to be doing or that just wasn't who i was 100 percent. i guess yeah. Like, I don't know if I was faking it or if I just really don't know. I was young and dumb and just wrapped up in, um, in the moment. Um, but you know, it's, it is what it is, but I, at least I got to the point where I'm doing what I've always wanted to do yeah. and kind of chasing a sound that I've always wanted to chase and it's never ending, but it's really fun once you're on that path. Yeah. And that's, and that's the journey too. You know, it's like, it's like, cause I feel that same thing. Like, I wish I had this mentality that I have now 10 years ago, but I think it took those 10 years to develop the mentality I have. So it's kind of, it's kind of a moot point, you know, it's like I had to, I had to go through just as you had to go through those things and those, those parts of your life, you know, where you know, maybe you weren't as certain about what you're doing or the reasons you're doing it. And now it's kind of like, now we're here and now it's like, well, now you just got to live every day to the fullest and be grateful that we're here and, and, and keep yep. moving, you know, and, and take advantage of this, of this attitude. Like, cause like I said, there's a lot of people I know that fell away and disappeared. And, you know, when they took, when those easy exits came up, they left, you know, and, and then there's people who have stuck with it and, you know, like, like we're, you know, we're, we're still in it and still doing stuff and still pursuing our, our, our love for doing it and our want to do it. And, you know, that's, I think that's really what it's all about. And, and it's funny, you know, like it's amazing having that perspective, but like, it's like, I, I totally relate to that though. It's like, it's like, fuck, like, man, 10 years ago, if I had this, I would have taken over the world, you know? And now it's just kind of like, well, I'm glad that I had did all those things and cause they got to me, got me to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm thankful for everything along my path of playing music. Like, I, I actually got to be on the road at a, a pretty young age, pretty cons- like pretty consistently. That's so cool. the, when all, when most of my friends were in college, I was in a tour van. So I didn't get the education that they got, but I got my own sort of education and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Like the moments that I yeah. had with my friends in different towns or different cities and uh, no responsibility except to make it to the show that night or the next day. You can't, I could never trade that in. Never. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's its own form of education. For sure. 
Cool, man. Well, I'm sure um, this dude, this has been a great talk, man. Um, where can people find you online? Um, I have a band camp for bean trees, which is beantrees.bandcamp.com. And then I have a band camp for the little art project thing I do with my friend, Chris. It's called I see demons in the wood grain, which is I see demons in the wood grain at uh, bandcamp.com. Cool. And I think that's it. I don't have any social media. So that would be the two places that you could find me. All right, so that was my chat with James Dunn. James, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Uh, I really appreciate you reaching out and uh, being enthusiastic about coming on. I I did a couple solo pods, and uh, James and Mike were some of the people, uh, Mike from last week, that reached out to me so far about coming on. So if you want to come on the pod, hit me up, 424recording at Uh, gmail.com, and we'll go from there. It'd be awesome. Uh, don't forget to check James out on the web at beantrees.bandcamp.com. You can also check out his other band, I See Demons in the Woodgrain.bandcamp.com. And he's part of a collective down in New Jersey, swampyouthcollective.bandcamp.com. And his friend Clay runs a Jersey label called weekendtapes.bandcamp.com. So check out those links and uh, drop James a line. Tell him, tell him what you think about the pot. This is Mike from 424recording.com. Godspeed, my friends. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy all the things we're doing here at 424 Recording, I ask, would you support us at patreon.com slash 424recording? I appreciate you, my friends. And as always, make sure you do something you want to do today, okay? <laughs>